pastor asked me to read uh, his text. We're going to stand and do the declaration together at this time. Let's say this together. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us all from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Give God praise. If you'll remain standing, we're going to read the scripture for tonight. And this is found in the book of Mark. And the same day when the even was come, he had said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him as he was in the ship, and they were also with him, sorry, that's all the ways back there, other little ships. And those arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ships so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow, and they awakened him and said unto him, Master, carest not that we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful, and how is it ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful to be here in your presence, Father God. Lord, we ask right now, Lord, that you would just touch our pastor, Lord, as he gets ready to bring forth this word that you would anoint him for this time, God. Lord, that you would let us hear everything that you desire for us to hear tonight, and we pray this in your name. And everybody said? Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Before I get started, I've been just really uh, troubled over there on my front seat. I just feel like that there's somebody here with a pressure, kind of some pain up in the cheekbone area. And uh, I, I don't know what if it's caused by a tooth, by sinuses, by ear, or whatever, but there's a, somebody's here really suffering or have been suffering. And uh, if you'll come up here, I believe the Lord's wanting to heal you tonight. Is there anybody like that in the service? Maybe more than one here tonight, uh, but you've got some pressure. Uh, is it you, Justin? Is there another one? I feel like that there is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where, where, where's your, where's it at, Justin? <laughs> Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ right now, I rebuke God whatever's causing this pain in this man's face. I pray, God, right now by the mighty hand of Jesus Christ that you would reach down and that you would heal and deliver him right now, Father, from the pain and the suffering, whether it be infection or whatever it is. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus and we declare victory and wholeness over his life in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we give you the praise for it in Christ's holy name. Amen and amen. In Jesus' name, let it be done, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now give the Lord praise. You got the same problem? Father, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, this young man, Father, is feeling that same kind of pressure and pain in that same area. And Father, I ask you to heal him right now. 
I pray that every ounce of pain and suffering would live from his body. I pray that wholeness would come upon him. God, we have been declaring that we are here to help those that are suffering through the anointing of the Holy Spirit to declare wholeness over them, God. And I ask you now to give him liberty and healing and let him go back from his seat, back in seat rejoicing of the healing that you're giving him today. In Jesus' holy name, and I give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got the same problem? Hallelujah. Father, as a body of Jesus, Father, again, I come against this problem that's in these men's lives. I pray, God, right now that you would heal Skyler, Lord, that you would touch the area of pain that has taken place in the spatial area. God, whatever is causing it, whether it's nerve, whether it's infection, whatever it is, God, pray for the lifting off of these men tonight. I pray healing over them. You call them out. You have loved them, Father, and you want to relieve them of their pain and their symptoms. In Jesus' name, and I give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's honor the Lord and stand and give him praise. And let's just believe that the pain is leaving these men's body in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for calling men out, that you love us enough, that you're concerned about our pain. You're concerned about our suffering, Father. And I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. I love when God's, human, God's compassion for humanity is revealed and how that he cares about what we're going through. He cares what we're going through here tonight. Uh, uh, Brother uh, Lampkin had read our text. And believe me, there's a lot of different kind of preaching in this passage of scripture. Uh, I, have, I have preached many, 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 many times. And there's a lot of different old sermons coming to my mind as I look at this passage of scripture. But the Lord's laid two or three different things on my heart. And I just want to try to just stay focused upon what he's saying to this body tonight. First of all, let's understand that, it, that, that we all know about the storm that they face when they get out in the boat and Jesus is with them and he's asleep. We understand that it appears that he don't care about them. It, it, it seems like that he's not aware of what they're going through. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like the Lord wasn't aware of what was going on in your life? Well, that's how these disciples felt. And we've all felt that, haven't we? Is there not a time in your life where you have looked back and said, the Lord is not aware of what's going on. He's not paying attention. He's not, he's not interested in what, what's going on in my life. Well, I want to tell you how interested he is. He loved three men enough that was in pain tonight to call them out and to relieve them and to touch them and to, and, and, and to let them know that he loved them and affirmed them right before this body. I give the Lord praise for that again. Give him praise again for that. That's how much he cares for us. We see a display of his human compassion tonight. You know, but prior to our text, the disciples were poured into an elite place with the Lord Jesus Christ, and what a privilege. They were drawn away into that secret place with Christ to where they could spend some quality time alone with him. And how many of you would like to just be pulled away into a secret place with the Lord and sit down with him and handle the word of life? How many would like to be able to do that? Well, let me tell you, you can do that. The problem of it is sometimes we don't understand uh, that doing it in the spiritual realm is just as real as doing it as if you were doing it for flesh and blood. But because it's not the fleshly body of Jesus, we sometimes think that, you know, it's not the same. It is the same. When you get tucked away into that elite place, that close place, that 
interplay with the Lord and, and, the, and the, you just get that quality time with the Lord. But that's what the disciples had done in the natural. It was here that he expounded upon the teachings that he'd done prior among the multitudes. It was here that the disciples had the divine privilege of hearing the complete explanation of the messages that he was trying to teach to the multitude. You know, the multitude, it tells us that he taught them in parables. But then he tells us that then he expounded more deeply to his disciples in that inner group. They received special insight, special revelation from the Lord as a result of pulling them off into that seclusion area, into that secret place with him. They received what we call today a rhema word, an in-season word, a now word. Have you ever received an in-season word? Have you ever been encouraged by the Lord We just speak something to you or reveal something to you? Have you ever been in the word of God and you're standing off of that just seem like the words come off of the pages? How many have ever got so excited about that? Raise your hand. That's exactly how these disciples had felt. Here's the multitudes. He speaks these parables. They don't understand them. He brings them into this inner circle. He begins to elaborate. He begins to expound to them. He begins to give them special revelation. He begins to give them special understanding. And I want to tell you, they've seen and understood the depth of passages of Scripture that the normal man in the multitude did not see. He, you know, there's some things Jesus held back from the multitude, but he showed it to those that were closer to him. And if you want revelations, get close to Jesus because he gives revelations to them that'll get tucked away with him, amen? But here they were sitting alone with Christ, gleaning from his teachings. They felt special. They felt honored. They felt close to the Lord. And they were full of faith. They were full of assurance. And they were confident in their relationship with him. It was just a special time. Have you ever come into that place where you just felt the presence of God and you felt loved, you felt affirmed, you felt accepted, you felt important, you felt like that you was a believer, you felt like you was a Christian? How many's ever felt that before, that special touch of the Lord? Come on, now don't go to sleep at Sunday night, but raise your hand if you felt that from the Lord before. Sure you have. But how many of you ever felt like, I'm not a Christian today. I don't feel like a Christian. Nothing's happening in my life. Well, those kinds of times happen as well. But here they are, yet the, here they are in this special place feeling honored and all they're all excited and they're all pumped up. Yet even though the disciples were privileged people who had the opportunity to come along aside with the Lord Jesus Christ, yet they still remain like so many of you and I today. They were just like you and I. In, they walked around in human flesh. While they were with Christ, they completely lost all doubt. There was no doubt in their lives. When they sat there in that inner circle, there was nothing but faith and assurance and confidence. That's what the presence of God does in our lives. But we see them in the storm in our text forgetting everything that Jesus had ever told them. How is it one minute they're over here and they're just feeling honored, they're feeling like that we're privileged people, we're the Lord's favorite disciples, here we are in the inner clique with the Lord, here we are his mainstream men and the next minute they can't even believe the words that he told them while they were in that inner circle. In the storm the Bible literally tells us that they became faint hearted. Their faith blew overboard in the storm and they were ready to panic and give in to feelings of, of destructions and feelings, uh, uh, feelings of over being overcome. And remember now these are the very ones that just had received the rhema word from the Lord. They were the ones just a few hours early that were drawn away into that secret place. They were the ones that had special insight, special revelation of the scripture, and the experience of Christ's special presence. They just come out of the presence of God. They get in a boat, 
They go out of the boat, the storm comes upon them, and they lose faith just like that. One minute they're on a high note, the next minute they're on a low low note. Does not that sound like you and I sometimes? Anybody else ever been there? I want to tell you, there's been times I felt like glory on Sunday morning only to want to resign on Monday morning. Amen? There's been times in my life when I felt like on Sunday I could walk on water, but on Monday I felt like I was going to drown. Those of you that are sitting in this place and you have these inconsistencies, these ups and downs, I want you to know something that is very normal. They were the ones that had special insight, special uh, privileges, and yet here they are losing faith. Most of us, after viewing their faith, in, their faith in the storm, we would have questioned their experience that they had with him. Now, this is one of the points the Lord really wants me to get because it's going to help somebody in this service tonight. No matter how miserable they seem to fail in their faith, yet their experience with him prior, the hours prior to this was real and valid. Can I have an Amen. Isn't it odd how that you and I want to question the authenticity of someone experienced by their present actions? How many of times have we ever said this? Oh, they're always at the altar getting blessed, but on Monday they're out there sinning. It wasn't real. I'm ready for a life real change. We make those judgment calls a lot of times. But listen to me, folks. Never despise, never question, never judge someone's blessings around an altar. Can I have an Amen. Just because someone struggles today does not mean that that which they received yesterday wasn't real and significant in their life. The Lord's really wanting to hammer that right there. Some of you have already discarded your yesterday's blessings by today's defeat, and God says, stop it. Can I say that again? Some of you have already discarded your yesterday's blessing by your today's defeat. Now stop it. What God done for you yesterday was significant, it was real, and it was the beginning of what was to come, and the results will show up later on in your life. You can guarantee it. A defeated today does not mean a loss of future. It's just a lesson learned in the scope of God. And a discouragement today does not mean an aborted promise, nor does it need an inv- mean an invalid word. Whatever God has spoken to you in the secret will not be aborted or declared invalid by your failed test. If God spoke something to me two weeks ago, and it was uh, him speaking it to me, and maybe I fail tomorrow, my failure tomorrow is not going to invalidate what he spoke to me two weeks ago. Can I have an amen? If God gave me a promise a year ago and I flub up this year in September, my experience that I flubbed up in September is not going to validate the promise that he gave me two years ago. Just because I have a failure today does not mean it invalidates everything God has ever done in my life. Can I have an amen? Here were the disciples. These are his hand-picked disciples, folks. And they're coming out of the deep teachings of God. They were privileged people, and yet Christ looks at them, and he says, let us go over to the other side. After sitting with him, hearing his words, he elaborated and expounded on the parables that he had taught to the multitudes. Now he gives them to command, I want you to go over to the other side. Now after they had been with him, they must have anticipated some something grand, something glorious that was awaiting on them on the other side, amen? Have you ever had a Sunday morning service 
where the Lord blessed you and he just overwhelmed you and you couldn't hardly wait to get there Sunday night to get some more of it? Or maybe you got touched on a Monday night revival and you couldn't wait till Tuesday night to come around because you're going to get some more of it. How many's ever had that kind of experience? Oh, absolutely, we all have. That's how they felt. They must have been excited to find out what lays ahead next. Oh, he's telling us to, he's putting us on the move. It must be something grand. It must be something glory. Their expectancy was at a high level. They just knew in their spirit that they were about to experience the experience of a lifetime. They've been in his presence. They're full of faith. They're all excited. They're pumped up. They feel special. They feel honored. They're energized. They're full of passion. They got zeal dripping off of them. And all of a sudden they say, oh, now he's, gonna, he's now going to take us from the inner circle and he's going to put us out here in ministry with him. And now we're going to be able to see things and experience things that we've never seen, that we've never heard of. Oh, we can't hardly wait. What would be waiting over there for them? That was there. It's like a Christmas morning. Open up a package. What is it? What is it that's waiting for me? A feeding of a multitude, a raising of the dead, maybe the healing of the sick, maybe some casting out some devils, maybe some blinded eyes opening. Maybe we get to see cripples come out of a wheelchair. What's it going to be like? Oh, when we get there, the anticipation, the faith was so exciting and so high. But the problem of it is that you and I, a lot of times when we're blessed by Christ, if we're not careful, we then begin to draw conclusions by what we've been blessed with of what our future is going to be like and we box God into a certain arena of what he done today. He's always going to do it that same way over and over and over. Come on, somebody help me preach. They were full of joy, faith, and they were, they were leaving to go into the other side without a care in the world. I'm telling you, these guys were on the top of their game. They left their shoreline experience only to find themselves exactly where they did not think they would find themselves, right in the middle of a storm. Now, isn't it odd that Jesus says, hey, guys, go over to the other side. Launch, out in the deep. Come on, let's go. He gets in the boat with them in this story. But can I tell you something, folks? It was Jesus that sent them in the storm. Hello? It was him, the one that told them to go there. Did you not know that he knew that storm was coming? Did you not know that he knew that that was about to happen? And there are several truths from this account that we can learn and some very valuable lessons as us as believers. First of all, severe storms come even to the Lord's own disciples and his own followers and even those that have been tucked away into that elite group. And let me say this, most storms come right after a great victory or a great blessing. Most of the time, storms come on the heels of a great encounter with God. You have a great encounter with God here and the next thing you know, boom, storm hits. That's the way it usually operates because the storm is there to try to rob you of the faith and the encounter that you had and make you question its realness and, it, and, and its authenticity of whether or not that those things that happened the night before were real and valid in your life. As a matter of fact, the scripture gives us hints as you read the accounts of the storm that the disciples went through that all of the multitude that also crossed the storm, we'll show that in a little bit later, did not have to face that same storm like they did. After the feeding of the 5,000, you remember that storm? Jesus sent the multitudes away. He commanded his disciples to get in the ship and go to the other side. Jesus went up onto a mountain and he prayed over them. 
Amen. You remember in the midst of the storm, here comes Jesus walking on the water. Peter looks up and they're all afraid and they're thinking they're seeing a ghost. They don't even believe that it's the Lord. And they cried out and Jesus then began to say, peace be still. And they recognized the Lord and Peter said, hey, can I come to you? And Peter actually gets an experience, an encounter of walking on the water. Isn't that a marvelous thing? But then we see, it says, but when the disciples finally overcome the storm and they get to the other side, the scripture says, and many other little ships also came and some of the multitude from the other side followed them. But then it says, that, and it, it puts the connotation there and it makes you think, it appears that they had easy sailing. The disciples sailed in the very midst of the storm while the multitudes who were there for the loaves and the fishes and when he quit giving them loaves and fishes, they forsook him. Them same people sailed with easy sailing. How can that be? That God's elite, that God's chosen, that God's special privileged people, remember that these were the ones that forsook all. These were the ones that were committed. These were the ones that were drawn into that inner circle. They were in that secret place with the Lord. How can it be that the uncommitted, the spectators, those that were only interested in the loaves and fishes, found easy sailing while the disciples went through hell? Is that fair? Does that sound like a loving God that his children would have to go through a storm while the spectators and the participators did not? All along, those that obeyed his command, those that were committed found themselves in the midst of the storm, but the spectators did not. First of all, let me say this. To whom much is given, much is required. God isn't only committed to teach his elite the word of God, but he's also committed in getting them to live that word out. There's a difference. It's one thing for you to be inspired, and then it's another thing for you to take it, the instruction of it and live it out. His objective is to get us to do more than just to be hearers of the word, but he wants us to be doers of the word. His objective is more than to come by to bless you, to make you feel good. He wants that word, that rhema word that uplifts and edifies, be turned inwardly to where it builds character and it builds, uh, it builds you as a man of God into maturity to where you can live out and operate in faith. Notice verse 40 in the storm, and I'll get to it later on if we have the time. He says, why is it that y'all are so fearful? It blew him away. These guys were fearful. They were afraid. While we look at these guys that were special, privileged people, yet with privilege comes purpose and responsibility. Sure, it may be excited to be in the most secret place, but how about being put to the test of what you've been taught? Amen? You know why the... the the, those that were in the loaves and the fishes did not go through that test. They couldn't handle the test. He knew it and he loved them and he protected them from it. Why? Because they did not have the inner teaching that the disciples had. It doesn't seem so special to be one of his followers when he puts you in the test to live out what you've been taught. The more you get taught, the more test comes your way to see if you're gonna pass the test of that which you have supposedly learned. Amen? The deeper you get in God the deeper experiences you will have, but the greater test that you will have as well. First grade test is not like 12th grade test. Amen? Ask scholar T. Kinsey. 12th grade education is not like getting a doctorate degree. Amen? And here's what the Lord's wanting us to do. In order for us to go from one place to another, not only do we need instruction, not only do we need the inner circle, not only do we need to hear not only do we need to feel his love and his compassion, 
But we also need to understand that what we hear and what we have heard is now going to be put to test of whether or not we can believe it when his presence don't even seem to be around. Amen? They could believe him when he was in the inner circle, but they couldn't believe him when he was in the storm. Isn't that just like most of us in this building? One minute we're rejoicing and, and, and talking about the greatness of God and how much faith we have in him and the next time we're murmuring and crying about the defeat that we're feeling because we're in the middle of a storm. Folks, the truth of the matter is it rains on the just and the unjust alike and don't you find it unusual that most of the time the, those that have been in the most wonderful spiritual moves and the spiritual commitment where they've really made some commitments, where they've really been revived, where they've been touched, where they've been blessed around the altar, it ain't very long to them or the very ones it's being tested. We have to remember that the storm was just as much as a blessing as the time alone with him. Look at somebody and says, your storm's a blessing. I want to give a word to somebody It just came to me. There's somebody fixing to really face a dark storm. It's going to be in the area of finances, and it's going to look like disaster to you. Maybe you've already gotten word. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. I don't know who you are. But I'm here to tell you it's going to look dark, 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 and the Lord wants me to tell you that the blessing that he gave you to have the finances and the lo- what seems to be the loss of those finances is just going to be just as much of a blessing in the loss as it was in you receiving it in the first place because God's able to take that tragedy of whatever's going to happen and turn it around and reveal himself to be strong on your behalf to where your faith is going to rise like you've never seen it before. Praise the name of the Lord. Give the Lord praise. That's for somebody in this building. I want to say that statement again if I can say it right. We have to remember that the storm was just as much as a blessing and just as much a valuable as the alone time that they had with him. He, here he was transforming his disciples by the, by the element of a storm and they didn't even realize it. He'd done just as important work in the boat that he'd done in that inner circle. Amen? Some lessons cannot be taught. They have to be caught. I am a hard-headed guy And most of the things that the Lord has taught me, he always brings the word to me and all of that. And I'm hanging, I'm struggling. And then you know what he does? He does just like he done to to his disciples. He puts me out there to where I go through an object lesson, to where I go through something that begins to spell it out in my life in the natural, to where I can then begin to see it and understand it. And then I begin through my lesson or through my experience, I learn lessons, valuable lessons. Sometimes experience can speak louder than words. Some people cannot learn outside of experience and failure. You see, what the Lord had taught them to become, he now through the storm begins to compel them into their destiny. He teaches them certain things in that passage of scripture. I'm not gonna get in that or we'll go on these rabbits. But then now he says, now in order for you to be able to do them, I gotta put you to the test. I'm gonna put you in this test and when you come outside of the test, you're gonna learn some lessons and you're gonna become the disciples that's gonna turn the world upside down. It's easy to talk about victory, but folks, it's another thing to live out victory. It's easy to talk about deliverance, but how can you really talk about deliverance if you never experienced deliverance for yourself? Everybody was, have you ever thought about this? Everybody says, oh, we need deliverance. Well, you know what that means? That means you got a dilemma. Deliverance can't come without dilemmas. If you don't have a dilemma, you don't need to be delivered from anything. 
And everybody that's wanting all of these miracles to take place, that means you're in the need of a miracle. Everybody wants to see the miracle at the, at, 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 without the expense of needing a miracle. Amen? I want to see somebody healed, but I don't want to be sick. Amen? I want to see somebody raised from the dead, but I don't want to be the dead person. Amen? I want to see the cripple rise up and walk, but I don't want to be the man in the wheelchair. Amen? None of us like those tests. None of us like those experiences. You and I got to understand that as we begin to commit our life to Christ, that he commits himself to us and his love is not a love that enables us to be spooled children. His love is a love that instructs us and makes us become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Give the Lord praise tonight. I just feel the Lord here tonight. What God wanted them to believe and accept as truth, he now gives them a picture and an object lesson and an illustration through life experience to get them to be able to see it and embrace it. Verse 35, Jesus said, I love this. It's my favorite part. Let us go over to the other side. Did you hear that word, us? Have you ever felt like the Lord wasn't with you? He said he'd never leave nor would he forsake you. Hello? He said he'd be a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. Amen? He said if his eyes are on the sparrow and if he knows the need of every man and he knows how many hairs are numbered in your head and when one falls out, he understands the number of it. And he says if I feed the sparrows and, and, and if I cause them to be able to be taken care of, how much are you more than, worth than sparrows? And here he is, he says, let us go over to the other side. The disciples failed to realize the full strength of his words that day. Now, isn't it odd? And I've done said this once. You see, as your storm comes, and believe me, we're all going to face those storms. It's going to happen. You're not going to be exempt from storms. You have to remember his words. Those of you that I've already said, how many of you have had God speak to you? How many of you have been in that secret place? Almost everybody raised their hand. What did he tell you in those secret places? What is it that you learned in that? What was it that he taught you? What was it that he put into your heart during those times? His words are the source of triumph, comfort, and encouragement in the midst of the severe storms. Why is it that we can believe God's words sitting in that inner circle, sitting in that place alone with him when he's loving us, when he's handling us, when he's making us feel special, but we have a hard time embracing it, believing it in the midst of storm, trial, and test, and temptation? Why is it that when we have a touch at an altar, we can shout and dance and magnify the Lord, but we can't magnify him in the midst of the storm? We murmur and complain, and we're ready to throw in the towel, and we're ready to hate the person in which the trial is coming by, and we're fighting, and we're opposing, and we're arguing, and, and we're just falling apart. It's because we didn't remember what he told us in the midst of the inner circle. What he said in the inner circle is not validated by the result of a storm. Are you with me? Whatever God said to you yesterday in the midst of your private time is not invalidated and boarded in the midst of your Monday morning storm that arises. You see, while the disciples were planning on going under, they were still on their way over to the other side. Something body here, I want to tell you, you might as well quit planning your defeat because God has something else in mind. You're not, you're not going into defeat tonight. Amen. Some of you have already been convinced yourself of the worst only to find out your best is yet to come. 
Amen? Some of you, by the result of your storm, you've done discouraged yourself. You're saying it's over. I'm done. I'm more stuff. Look what's happened to me. I'm already defeated. And God says, there's no defeat even close to you. Why? Because I'm in the boat with you. I've not left you. Amen? Jesus is in that boat. That boat's not going to sink because the Messiah's in the boat. Hallelujah. Some of you have already convinced yourself, hey, this is the worst thing that's ever happened and I'm not going to be able to survive it. Some of you have already predetermined your outcome by you're trying to fix, but, but you're fixing to find the surprise of your life. You know why? Because you're about to see the sea walker, the wind calmer, the way maker, and the peace speaker. All four of them are revealed in this passage of scripture. Your circumstance does not have to determine your outcome. Your situation does not have to tone down your future. I'm here to tell you that the words that Jesus spoke superseded the strength of that storm. The word of God is powerful and quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. And even the winds and the sea have to obey his voice. Amen. The words of Jesus negated the dictating voice of the winds and the ways of the sea that day. Whatever he has spoke, that will he do. And remember, when you're facing your storm, you remember those encouraging words. You remember those blessings. You remember those experiences around those altars because it's at those moments that what happened there is that was just as real as it could be. That same God is just as real in the midst of that storm though you don't see him and though you don't feel him. He's still there. Regardless of how insignificant you may think his words are, there'll be a time when those words become vital for your survival and important for your victory. Had the disciples remembered and believed his words from the beginning of that journey, they would have not had all the anxiety and the fear that overwhelmed them that night and they would have not been faithless. Stop in your dilemma, freeze during your fight, and remember these words that Jesus spoke. Let's go over to the other side. Now, you're not only seeing the key word there. It's not only let us, but it's also go over. Jesus already promised them that they would be there. So why fall apart by the result of opposition and resistance? Jesus said, hey, let's go over. You know what Psalms 119.89 says? The word of the Lord is forever settled in heaven. So if he says it, that settles it. If God says it, it settles it. If God told me something three months ago, it is not aborted due to a dilemma or even a failure or a mistake on my part today. Some of you are just completely lost faith in your walk and in your journey and you feel like you've been discarded because somehow you've messed up or maybe you're facing a storm that's maybe robbing you of your faith, but I'm here to tell you, the faith that you had when you were in that inner circle, the faith that you had the day that you got saved, the faith that you had when you had those blessings around the altar, I want you to understand that same faith still locked up inside of you. Hear the word of the Lord. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Let's go together over to the other side. Amen. So if God said that, that settles it, doesn't it? It matters not how minute or trite those words might seem. They're still true. And if he said go over, then no, you're not going to go under. You're going over. Amen? Not one word has ever failed of all the good promises of God. Not one, not one word. Not one promise of his has ever failed you. Folks, Jesus never fails. What he has spoken, he will do. Would you stand with me tonight? 
That's the earliest you've ever had me close. <laughs> Zach, give Zach oxygen. He's about to pass out over there. This body is in transition. There's a shifting taking place not only in America, but there's a shifting taking place in the true body of Christ. There is an apostate church that's very much alive and well in the, in the earth, but there's also a true remnant church of which we are a part of. And there's a shifting taking place. We, at times in this church, are gonna have great moments when God's gonna come down. This is a prophetic word to the church. When God's gonna come down in the midst of the congregation, he's gonna settle in with his glory and his presence and it's gonna be the talk of the hour. It'll be the talk of the town. It'll be the talk of, everywhere you go, old man, last night, you'll be bragging. You'll be telling people. You'll be, yeah, matter of fact, that the Lord's gonna at times come down in this place so strong that at 11 o'clock at night, you're still gonna be sitting here and you're not even wanna go home because you're just gonna be so overwhelmed at what you just experienced that night. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. There's gonna be wonderful things happen, not only in the body in a congregational setting, there's gonna be some great things happen, one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, privately in homes and prayer groups and life groups. I've, things are gonna happen. You better get ready for it. And there's gonna be those times of inner circle meetings when God just floods you with his goodness, overwhelm you with his love. The, the remnant church is fixing to get visited to. He's pulling us out of the multitude, setting us apart and saying, I got some things I wanna talk to you about. I've got some things that only you can receive. My remnant church is the only one I can trust this with. The multitudes are in it for the lows, the fishes, the experience, the fame that we preached about today. They can't handle glory, they want fame. Amen? But I'm gonna trust the remnant church with the insights of my glory. And he's gonna pull us together and he's gonna start pouring it out here and there. But know also, with that, comes times when he says, okay, I blessed you today, but go over to the other side and the first thing you're gonna do is come smack dab into the middle of a spore. There will be cracks and foundations. Andre done prophesied that. There's gonna be some cracks that we're gonna have to face. Some stretching of the wineskin. You know why the foundations cracked? Because it wasn't built strong enough to hold something bigger. So he has to widen it. It has to stretch. It's like going back to the old tent in the Old Testament where he told that wonderful man of God, broaden the tent, stretch the tent, stretch stakes, because the glory's got to be enhanced. But with that comes trial, tribulation, persecution, test, hardship. But whatever God tells you in that inner circle, write it down. Make a journal. Come on. One of the worst things we do is Pentecost. Tongues, interpretation will go out. Nobody keeps a record where we can go back six months later and say, you remember what God said? Right here it is in black and white. Because a lot of times what God says today don't come to permission until about two years later. And then by the time it comes there, we forgot he's spoken to us two years earlier. Can I have an amen to that? 
There's things that God spoke way back on Ninth and Cedar 15 years ago that's just now beginning to happen at the Palace of Praise. And what God wants me to tell you tonight as a body, listen up in the times of those moments when you're in an altar and you're blessed and you're touched and, and, you're, and, and you experience him and you hear his voice and he gives you nuggets. Go home immediately. Before you forget them, write them down. Date them. Put a, put a time and a date on them and a place. Palace of Praise Sunday night, September the 12th, 7 p.m. This was what God said. This is what happened in my life. And then when the storm comes, you don't understand it. There's no sense of God even being around. The heavens are brass. Nothing's moving. Nothing's shaking. All hell's coming against you. And all of a sudden you feel less than a Christian. You don't even feel born again. You feel like throwing in the towel and you become like the disciples. You have a tendency to want to be fearful. You have a tendency to want to even doubt your experience. You forget about hours. I mean, this happened within hours, folks. This wasn't like years. This was like hours. But I want to tell you, God's saying, when you go into that storm, pull out that journal. Because whatever God spoke back then, regardless of what time is in between that and the storm, it is not invalid due to what you're experiencing right now. Amen. And matter of fact, it was come before as a forerunner to where you could take the words that he said to give you the faith and the victory to overcome what you're experiencing now. And if you rejoice back there, you can rejoice in the midst of the storm because he said, let us go over on the other side. He done prophesied and predicted my safe landing on the other side. It's already set in stone. If Jesus said it, I believe it. His word cannot lie. If he said it in the Bible, I believe it to the day I die. Can I have an Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! I want to almost tell you this. Sit down, let me preach a little longer. Maybe it ain't a closing. I love you people. And I want to tell you, I've got my own battles. But I want to be there in the midst of that battle with you. I want to be in the inner circle with you. And we're going to pull together our resources in the midst of the storm. And we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to see Jesus as sea walker. Amen. Miracle worker. Wind calmer. Hallelujah. He's the way maker when there seems to be no way. God's on our side here, folks. He's not abandoned us. I don't know how to close this out. We don't have to have an altar service every Sunday night. I just wanted to encourage you with the word of the Lord. But if you are a brother or a sister... And you're having a tough time in a storm right now. There is nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm having a tough time. If you come up here, I may even look at you and say, do you remember when? You remember the night that you were up here six months ago and the Lord gave you that victory and the Lord told you this and the Lord told you that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ain't changed his mind. What he said he was going to do, if it ain't happened yet, that means he's still working because he's still going to do what he said he was going to do. He don't lie to you. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Is there anybody here tonight as a brother or a sister in the weight of a storm, in the weight of some discouraging words, a negative report, opposition, a financial collapse, a job loss, 
death in a family, grieving. Is there anybody here tonight that would just say, I'd like for the body to pray for me. Come up here, we'll pray for you. Hallelujah. And if there's not, is there any believers in here that can rejoice that you're a part of a remnant church and you're a part of an inner circle? You're a part of those that have been invited in? <laughs> Amen. Sometimes I want to look at a Rhonda Burden and I want to say, Rhonda, God's called you to preach, right? God gave you a vision how that you would preach, right? I want you to know that every test that you ever go through, just look back and say, well, I'm going to overcome that test because I've not fulfilled the call of all the people I'm supposed to preach to you. If he called me to preach, then he'll make a way for me to preach to those people. So therefore, just knowing that I've not yet done some of the things he's revealed to me, that means that this storm's not overtaken me. And then you can rejoice in the midst of your storm instead of complaining or losing faith or losing sleep. You can say, ha, ha, this is just here for a momentarily thing. I'm being tested. I'm learning some lessons. And it is an object lesson for me to be able to put to use of what God taught me in the inner circle. So today, Father, I choose not to live by faith. I fear I choose to live by faith. I will believe what you have declared in the secret realm. And now I rejoice in the midst of my storm. I shall not fear, but I shall be victorious by faith. Amen. Give the Lord praise of what's going on in your life. May the Lord, but give him, I mean, some radical praise. Hallelujah. Now look at somebody and say, let us go over. Let us go over. Let us go over. Palace of praise. Let's go over together. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and may us face shine upon you and may you prosper and be whole in Jesus name. Justin how are you feeling? Is he here? You feeling better? Praise the Lord. How about the other two guys? Are you feeling better? Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. God bless you tonight.